This is Magnolia Leadership Podcast, heart, soul, and earth aligned. I'm Katherine Miller, a holistic practitioner of 30 years and your host. Join me as we discuss what it means to lead from the sacred feminine. Magnolia Leadership is here to guide you home, remind you of your courage, awaken your deepest knowing, revealing your fullest expression, and supporting your beautiful blossoming. Welcome in. Katie Tregotis is a practicing florist, student of nature, and seeker of deeper knowing. Her love for the land in relation to body, observation of the tides in relation to breath, and appreciation of the seasons in relation to spirit continue to inform the woman and the artist that she is becoming today. It is her deep belief that we must look to earth-based practices and ancestral teachings from those far wiser to call back our humanity and return to center. In Katie's daily effort, she works to make an act from a place of trust, co-creation, and heart-centered intention, trying, failing, learning, and loving all along the way. In this conversation, Katie and I explore the Magnolia connection that we both share connection to the elements, the magnolia as an archetype, the great mother as a cauldron, Katie's mission, finding the magical in the mundane, the animistic quality of others, Katie's path to her current works, and the courage to follow one's soul and to follow the unknown. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did creating it. Thank you for the very kind introduction. Thank you, darling. (laughs) One place I thought could be fun for us to start is just with the Magnolia. Great. I'd love to hear your experience of Magnolia. And -hmm. I'll share a little bit about why this new business and this new podcast is Magnolia Leadership. So being from the South, (laughs) Magnolias were a huge part of my life. I didn't realize it as a little girl but they were literally woven into everything. And I'm talking about the big giant white Southern magnolias. Mm. And here, they're everywhere here too. Mm -hmm. And I was in a ceremony and with my group of sacred women and very clearly received this incredible image of the magnolia, along with a request that she become the guide for a new business. I had a business. So at the time I was like, of course, and what would you like? And Mm -hmm. so over time and through conversation and through really being with the trees and drawing them and looking at the seeds and just sitting with her and studying those trees, really understanding, you know, what that bloom is really about, which is this beautiful process that Magnolia goes through for so many years. And then she makes this beautiful offering, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've really been tuning to that as the guide of this new business and as a symbol of a very strong feminine archetype and then getting into studying her in all the different traditions. And it's just been a really fun unfolding of the Magnolia. 
Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if I know that you have a relationship to many, many plants and flowers, but I'm curious how, how you relate to Amelia, if you do. I do. I feel like there are probably, even if you didn't grow up in the South, you probably have some relation to the magnolia, whether it's, you know, through pop culture, like steel magnolias or something along those lines, some Mm -hmm. recognition or association. But I grew up in rural North Carolina and my first introduction to be in relationship with plants, uh, my father is an epic gardener and our entire this, we had this little, I think it was like a brick two-story, and it was in a bit of a bowl. So the house was kind of up on the top of the hill. And as the bowl went down, the entire backyard, so to speak, back valley almost felt like. And I think, you know, of course, when you're small, everything feels so much more enormous. Yeah. That, that was all his garden. And um, especially when I was younger, he was a great experimenter. We had everything from you know, rows of corn and tomatoes to, you know, oddly colored potatoes and epic amounts of flowers and trellises of morning glories and moonflowers. And everything was centered around this enormous ancient magnolia tree that was in the center of the back garden. And um, she was how I learned how to climb trees, you know, yeah. the way that their, their branches or even the trunk structure it's very giving. It's very generous. It's almost like a bowl in of herself for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know she had to, I mean, I know I just spoke to how things are always more enormous when we're small, but I know it was, a, I know it was a big tree because she affected a lot of shade. Mm-hmm. So in the North Carolinian hot, hot summers, that was a place to take refuge underneath this, you know, evergreen canopy. And it was in the garden in the winter when everything else was dormant and underground, she was still standing stalwart and evergreen. evergreen. And yeah, and her, um, the blooms of the magnolia themselves, which are, you know, now, now that I'm out here in California, yes, there are magnolias. I feel, I don't know if it's the humidity in the South in comparison to California. They don't smell the same to me. I agree. Do you know, it's almost like they saturate the air with their perfume. And when there's more, I mean, we've been so lucky. We've had this incredible long and wet winter where there is more moisture in the air. But when you live in a place, which you know, it essentially feels like an aquarium sometimes, especially in the summertime, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's so much particulate matter floating through, you know, literal particles of condensation. I feel like it really captures the scent and carries it and almost like sticks mm. to you in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also part of the, you know, the sensuality of the South itself is just the air that you move through and the way that the fragrance can kind of cling onto your body and the magnolia is, is it, you know, that is it how you qualify those first memories you might have. I don't know whether you're, it's like your first kiss or yes. when you first kind of like got out on your own and, you know, you drove the car for the first time with the windows down when it was dark <laughs> out and the magnolias are blooming because they also mm. smell more at night as most white flowers are. Their scent is much more apparent in the nighttime because they're for the night pollinators are having color. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, as I, as I got a little older, we moved to Virginia. I mean, we, there was always magnolias in my proximity. There was an enormous magnolia at my grandmother's house that I remember at one point in my twenties, it had passed on 
and it needed to come down. And I remember it being like hot July, August and me being in literally my bikini because she lived on the river. So I was like trying to get my, <laughs> trying to get like my river time. And somehow I got roped to also like helping to, you know, pull this tree down. And by then my grandmother had since passed and my uncle had taken over that property and they were going to be able to know house for his family. And there was this kind of transition taking place. And I, and I remember being in part of this process with this magnolia needing to come down and be like, this is an end of an era, you know, like there is a passage, there's been a passage of time, a passage of lineage, a passage of person and matriarchy. And the magnolia was connected to me in my mind was connected to her in that way where, you know, the roots are still underneath the ground forever. You're always there. But um, the aerial, the upper part of the tree Mm. had, it had done what it needed to do in Mm. the time that it needed to be there. Yeah. What what an amazing memorial to your grandmother. Yeah. What an incredible woman. And to this day. Yeah. I mean, the land looks so different now, but I can still tell you exactly where that Mm. magnolia tree was. Mm -hmm. Love that story. Mm. So as you're talking, I'm really aware of how tuned in you are to the earth, the plants, and even like the the, uh, mention of the quality of water in the air just mm. very connected, uh, <laughs> very connected to the earth, right? And all of her elements. And so I'd really love to explore that theme, if that's okay. Um, Please, yeah. So what, you know, one of the things that the Magnolia as an archetype has really asked for is to talk about what it really means to be a woman and to be sacred. And the definition that keeps coming through is heart, soul, and earth aligned. That is what the Magnolia has said it means to be a sacred feminine leader, right? And so when I thought of you, I just, I thought, and you're just really helping me remember what it's like when I sit with you of just the earth part. And I'm sure you have the heart and soul part too, but as you're you're talking, I just, I'm very, so can you talk a little bit about your alignment with the mother, with the earth and how it might inform you? or has informed you? Yes. You know, now as I'm nearing my fourth decade in being in relationship on the planet, and I have been in reflection around what that, you know, what that has looked and felt like as as I've aged. And I can definitely, you know, I I can attest that I was a strange child. (laughs) Um, A strange child in the sense of, and I I don't, I'm not saying that that's necessarily unique. I actually think that quite a few of us are, and then we're, you know, normalized and indoctrinated into a culture to be able to, you know, that's how we kind of get through unless we're able to hold on to our sense of strangeness. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can do that while maintaining some normalcy on the outside. And I think sometimes that juxtaposition can be a little bit, that can be difficult. And then of course we get into therapy as we're all able to unpack that and, you know, like, get through so we can get back to that weird place. But I, um, I remember, think, you know, remember the weirdness, remember the weird for sure. <laughs> and I think weird can be spelled both the W E I R D and the W Y R D. And I think that mm. the weird and that spelling W Y R D has so much to do with the web of the weird, which is this interconnective fascia that is in between the earthly body that we're within and the, um, the ethers, the other realms, the other things that we are connected to, which, you know, whether we acknowledge it or not is, is always happening. 
there the weird the web of the weird is always in communication with us is how we are in relationship with both our ancestral lineage and what goes forward and mm -hmm. it's um what it's something that i think about it's the the web that we weave mm -hmm. the generations to come and it ties us to the generations for who are before us so as a child i was always much more comfortable in natural spaces and i'm not saying that elementary school or camp isn't a natural space. I think I'm, you know, I'm speaking more about natural with a capital N, mm. which is, you know, being in the woods with the elementals and making my weird mud flower petal <laughs> potions and <laughs> being convinced that I could see and hear and speak with things that perhaps other people couldn't. And I, you know, I don't necessarily, I, I'm not disqualifying that. I'm not saying that that didn't happen by any stretch, but mm -hmm. I always wanted to be more a part of that world than perhaps the world that I was expected to be a part of the, the human animal world. Yes. And, um, but, you know, for brighter or for worse, we start to grow up in, and a lot of us, especially as a child of the 80s and the 90s, there was a certain way to be mm. and how to act, especially in a feminine body. And I think that I have so much heart and admiration for what is happening now where you don't necessarily have to be born with feminine parts to be able to be a feminized person and how much more accepted that is. So, you know, when I think about the Magnolia, when it comes to femin femininity, and womanhood to me it's not just the scientific female body it's that connection that is throughout mm -hmm. all beings all when us. it that mm -hmm, all of us it's that again that connection to the web of the weird it's how we are in relationship with the great mother mm. and how she is a place of nurturance and acceptance and creativity she is the ultimate cauldron we all get to be within and then hold within ourselves mm -hmm. Whether we have a woman or not, you know, whether we're a cycling person, right. a feminine identifying person, you know, we we all have that capacity. And I think some of us, when we are more sensitive people, yes. um, we have <laughs> mm. um, that navigation of how to carry that cup, that vessel through life and how to hold what's within it, not let it spill over. Or often, if it does spill over, be able to be like, that's okay the cup is like my cup is still full there's still much to it and that is how we're able to share with others let others partake in that magic mm -hmm. so when I think about you know my connectivity with the earth and you know what has ended up being my my line of work that to me is it's community it's sharing mm -hmm. it's being able to partake it's the gathering aspect mm -hmm. which is all she ever really wanted all along you know she doesn't want us to live in isolation she doesn't want us to feel alone or or strange even if when we are because we are all connected in that way mm -hmm. and i think that when i think about the magnolia herself and just the ways that her leaf structure her branch structure and oftentimes i mean i have to say you know it's like there's never just like just one magnolia it's <laughs> not just like a soul magnolia it is community. And I it think is. it depends on the, the spaciousness of the being itself. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're never meant to be alone. And I think that the, mm. the feminized nature, what I hope that as we continue as a society to grow into mm -hmm. is the, there's been this sort of holding of this super nuclear structure of like keeping it right within ourselves, holding it to just the people that we know or what it is that we're familiar with, because that feels safe. 
Right. But I don't know whether that, I don't think that's true. You know, the notion of, of being safe, I feel as safe as I do in the woods, as I feel in my home, because in the woods, I'm in community. Mm. And when I have moments of feeling unsafe, perhaps, or I, I'm like, what, what is the situation? Like if I'm at, I don't really go to parties, but if I was to go to a party, <laughs> it'd be in Not the woods. Great at <laughs> Ideally, yeah. for sure. You know, but you always can find someone there to connect yes. to, you know, yeah. no matter what, always, you're always able to pick them out. There's always someone like you in yeah. some way, a, yeah. a way to do it. I think went on an enormous tangent, but this all just goes to say love, that I was, it's, I think it isn't a tangent because you're just talking about all the different kinds of connection that we actually have mm. as mm. a medicine for the times, right? There's the Truly. Wood, there's each other, there's community, there's recognizing ourselves in each other. And I don't know, personally for me, that connection is strongest through the earth, but then yes. up and through each person, even if they're not recognizing themselves as one of the weird people, right? We all have this earthen nature about us that allows us to really connect. And so I think you're speaking to a really potent thread, which is the medicine of the time, which mm -hmm. heals this isolation and this myth of separation that we've been living under. Mm -hmm. And the earth or, is the template for it. Mm -hmm. I think also to the separate, the separateness, pardon, of you know, the quote unquote, what is wild or feral or, you know, what, mm. when did we start drawing those lines, mm. you know, of this otherness, the separateness from nature that we aren't part of that. Right. Or that, or that we don't belong there. Or we don't know how to do it or we're not a part of it. I mean, yes, look, it's 2023 and the way that we live our lives and like in our cars and in our screens and yeah. all that, that doesn't feel very wild. But is it not wild? I don't know. We were just talking about the web of the weird and those like different levels of ether and connection and what is possible. And I loved what also you said about being earthen bodies, that we are all of the earth. We are all made, we're made of the same stuff, you know, no matter how we identify or how we move through. Mm -hmm. um, at the core, like we, are, we have those common molecular structures whether you know yeah whether it be spiritual or physical or whatever else that it's undeniable how we are connected and that's not only just human animals you know like that is to everything is. that is to the magnolia tree it is to the blades of grass it is to the hit of wind you know like we are part of it and i i think that that's part of this notion or how we started to feel so separate or isolated it's because we started to make ourselves other or think that we are on a different like intelligence level as the earth. And I don't think that there's any greater intelligence than no. <laughs> like no. mother earth. Right? And I mean, as we're like witnessing, right. Yeah. Day by day, year by year, and how it is that she's shifting to accommodate our mm. emotions and actions and choices. Yeah. yeah. Such Great a intelligence. How do you connect with the earth? It, you live in a beautiful place, I know, and you're out in, in the world connecting with the earth. Do you have specific practices? Or are you just more embodied in connection all the time? How do you maintain that connection? I think for me, it is a practice of noticing. Mm -hmm. So I'm in constant observance of what is around or what's shifting 
one of the beauties of the line of work that I'm within is there's such a connection to seasonality. And I think that was something I was already, you know, practicing privately before I started doing it professionally. But I'm it is often, I'll probably do this while we're in our conversation because I'm facing toward the window. Nice. I'm always distracted by, you know, <laughs> what birds are coming into the yeah. scene, what creatures moving through, like what's that branch doing? I mean, I and every day there's always a greeting that comes, especially during this time of year. We're doing this during the spring. Amazing. There's such an, an emergence, right? Oh my God. Oh, so incredible. And, and every day I'm like, I can't believe that you're back. And I can't mm. believe that, you know, this leaf has emerged or the oak is now in bloom. And it's such joy. You know, there's such familiar, there's such like a reunion, like a homecoming that comes with that for me yeah. personally. Yeah. So yes, for me, it is, whether I am in a big city or out in the middle of nowhere, there is always something to take in, mm. some kind of communication that's happening mm. um, when it comes to the earth. And I think that's a good practice for anyone to take into play. Mm. Even if you're in an apartment with a house plant, your house plant is moving and speaking and shifting and changing. Mm. Or what's going on with a boiling pot of water? I don't know. You know, like the elementals are always surrounding us at all times, which is, that's hard. I think that's how you find magic. I honestly do. Mm. It is the infusion of what is constantly surrounding you. And I think that, you know, we don't have to get into astrological charts, but I can definitely speak to one of my, (laughs) um, (laughs) one of my, my big missions in this life is to find the magical in the mundane. Oh, I Uh, love that. Beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) The magical in the mundane. Yes. That's one of mine too. Is it? Absolutely. With your North Node placement or something like that. Do you know? I think we don't, we don't have to go there. Could be, could be. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, I think that oftentimes we want these messages to come in, like in crazy hallucinations and the bush setting a fire alight and yeah. whatever, the voice booming down from above. And, and more often than not, I mean, I'm not saying that it can't be that and that doesn't sure. happen, sure can but be. it sure can be. But more often than not, it is in the most subtle and small things, you know, it is the return of the apple blossom Mm. it is the shifting of the color in fall like that is where magic abides Mm. truly I agree a hundred percent just walking in the morning there's so much magic Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. all around especially you know where we live is special but I think everywhere just and I love that you have this practice of just noticing and tuning in and being present with what's really happening in nature because anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. It's a simple practice. It's a tuning of our instrument, right? And I, I don't know, for me, if I go on a walk with the earbuds in and I'm like managing the dog and I'm not doing that, it's almost like I missed it. Mm-hmm, but if I, I like take the screen away, take the earbuds away, walk in the beautiful neighborhood, challenge myself to see all the different mm-hmm. layers and all the, all the beauty that exists, just, just right here, like just right here. It's amazing. And it does bring us into this joy. Immediately, beauty taps us into joy, I think, or it does for me. And then it's like that expansion is there, mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. And then can you maintain it? And that, that gets a little bit more challenging to maintain. That's right. right? It is. Through truly. the screens and working with people and all of that. But it's such an easy thing to re-tap into. Just go sit in the garden for a moment 
And there it is again. So it's so accessible. And I think it's overlooked as a practice, right? Because it's not elaborate. It's super simple. Mm -hmm. It's right here, literally right here. So I love that you have that as a practice. How does that inform how you are in the world? Like if that is one of the things that sounds like really noticing, tuning in, seeing the beauty, looking at the magic of the apple blossom. I love that. How does that live through you in your day or in the work that you do? Yes, I was just thinking to myself when you had mentioned earbuds and walking the dog and, you know, trying to get in a certain amount of time. Yeah, and yeah. those times, they, they, they do happen. Yeah. And one of the things, of course, right, it's inevitable. We live in this quote unquote modern world. I also, um, <laughs> something good. that I've been doing more often is because there is such an over inundation of stimulus constantly is yeah. choosing to turn down the dial whenever possible. So, you know, in, in my daily practice, when it comes to my work, uh, particularly if I'm working alone, which doesn't happen that often, but but can, I won't listen to podcast or have music on, though it is super fun. I love to blast <laughs> Kate Bush and be in, my, be in my feelings. But it's also good just to, I have, unfortunate my work studio, I it's quite, um, has good light, tons of windows and doors that open both to the back and front yards. And I just like to have those doors open and just be able to listen to what's going on. Mm. I have chickens out back. So I get to hear who's doing what, you know, the dog's coming in and out. Mm. Trees are, you know, blowing in the wind and just sort of being in that. And that might sound really boring to somebody. I also, don't get me wrong. I listen to an enormous amount of podcasts because I get so much information from them. And it's of great value. But I think that being able to choose sometime just to turn the dial down a little bit to allow for a little more quiet, to allow for a little more space is often when you start to really kind of pick up inevitably, right? Pick up on what's going on around us. So that is something, you know, just when I'm, when I'm alone. And then when I'm in collaboration or community with other people, I like to, what this is kind of funny because I was just talking about how my, my disbelief in that separateness. I like when I'm in conversation with others, I like to find the wildness of them. Do you know, mm-hmm. whether it be just the, the general energy that they're coming in with, or I don't know, it's like, is their, is their hair disheveled from the wind or like, are they coming off of from someplace else and where, you know, can we settle the energy down or do we need to raise it back up or mm. whatever that needs to be. And, mm-hmm. and it's really appreciating the animistic quality yes. of people. Hmm. and trying also not to take it all so seriously. I mean, there are times where, of course, we need to like kind of dive deep and, and do that. But finding like the joy and connection hmm. to me is super, super important. Hmm. And then I think also as we get more aware around what our, what's the right word, whether it be like our cap, our, our, what our boundaries are around being in space with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm far better now at recognizing that, oh, I've hit it and I need to draw away because I can be, you know, just like when you think about your dog, for instance, and your dog is very gregarious and has a lot going on for sure, but he can be overstimulated and he needs his time to draw away. And, and when I'm, you know, when you watch animals in that space, especially when it comes to being interacting with or being in relationship with other people and when they need to kind of pull back and like we are the same we don't have to be on all the time we don't have to be accessible all the time yeah. and I think that when we are able to be in that practice for ourselves 
it then gives others the permission to be in the same practice for themselves, for their own wellness and safety and happiness. You know, we don't have to be all things for everyone. And that takes a lot of time, of course, for, I think for most people, some people are probably better at it than others mm. to discern and define. But it is important because we, it needs to be a little bit of quiet. It needs to be yes. a little bit space, right? I love that rhythm that you're talking about of being an individual, being sovereign, and then being, you know, in this deep connected place and moving in and out in that mm-hmm. spectrum of individual and community member. And really what I hear you saying, it's a personal responsibility, right? Truly. Really, <laughs> yeah, to really understand when to step back or when to step in, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us mm-hmm. have to make ourselves step in more. Um and the different ways that the elements are even supporting you in that process that you're speaking to, right? In your individual, and then also like as you're with other people, tuning into, I mean, you're almost an alchemist, right? There's the wind in their hair, there's this thing, okay, we're in this place, now there's too much fire or whatever, it's too mm-hmm. heavy, I'm going to step back. Mm-hmm. Have, is this your native way of seeing or have you trained it's almost you almost remind me of like an acupuncturist or a <laughs> somebody who is like really tuned in because I had a practice for a while I was, was studying with this woman and she had us she was a Buddhist teacher and we were really studying all of the elements of emotions and really extending understanding the elements as part of everything and challenging ourselves to see the world from this elemental view And then also these really deep practices for really sort of releasing emotional uh, stuckness by Mm -hmm. working with the elements and then also working in, bringing in different elements to balance, you know, like I'm so fiery, so I don't do any kind of fire practices, right? It's just, I don't need help there. I need the water. So I need to be walking by the ocean every day. It's really Mm -hmm. important that I live by the ocean. And that sounds kind of like, well, of course, but it's important for me to walk on the ocean because I need to have that connection as a balance, right, to my fire. And as I hear you talk, it's almost like you're natively speaking that way. It's just everything feels so elemental. Are you, do you have a certain kind of training in it or is it just how you are? I was actually, I was <laughs> laughing. I was laughing when you first started talking because I was thinking of this very classic Southern euphemism when like you're on the phone with someone and someone says, well, let me let you go now. You know what I mean? And it's oh, like yeah. such a, <laughs> such let a, me like, let polite. you go now. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. And oh, I feel, forever. <laughs> but it's so good, you yeah. know, let me let you go. Yeah. Let me make the, you know, like, let me hold this, like make that choice for you. So then you don't have to hold it for yourself. And uh, so I was thinking of that for one, and everyone should employ that practice. That's so good. My mother's still like, all right, now I'll let you go now. (laughs) Yeah, I'll let you go. Let let me let you go now. So that is a funny thing that I hope everyone, you know, whatever puts in their Google Google Doc to refer to for later. Um, But Mm -hmm. I, in regards to a particular kind of training, uh, I think that for me, just to reference back to that odd, odd bird yeah. that I was growing up. And I, I think that when I look back on my, particularly my teens and my twenties, there was a lot of overextension, mm. a lot of fire burning, a lot of mm. trying, a lot of striving. And 
and I could do a thing, certainly. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a lot left for anyone, including myself. When, like when I think about my, you know, either the relationships that I was in, the relationship that I had with my own body. And I think that for better or for worse, trial by fire is how I ended up in a place of understanding that um, mm. that wasn't a particular energy that I could hold for all for all time. Yes. And and it was something I could do for a, for a time. And it's something that I can call upon when I need to, mm-hmm. but this wasn't the endemic person that I was. Mm. And I think that this is also tying the back a bit again, how when you are cultured in a feminine body, what your expectations may be, right? Yes. To be super. And I think that generosity is very important, but always to be expected to be in a place of giving and mm essentially always offering yourself up to and I, I think that is important certainly to be an offering for various reasons but then there also needs to be the replenishment aspect mm. um, and I think that I've been lucky in my life to know you being one of them many teachers and healers who have given me tools or illuminated essentially aspects of myself that needed to be recognized Mm -hmm. and how to better access them. And I also am an enormous believer that there's no one fix for all people. You know, there isn't just one practice. And also you can go, you can go see Mm -hmm. the guru in the cave on the top of the mountain and they can bestow wisdom upon you. And it doesn't mean that you're going to take it the first time. Mm-hmm. and do something good with it you know it's you I so appreciate the visual in my mind when it comes to the things that I work with work through it's always the same can that I keep kicking down the road and it's just a little bit farther each time that I kick it you know but I come back to the same damn can every time <laughs> with fresh eyes sometimes <laughs> yeah. and it's I think of it as a spiral like we're just kind of going down and the layers of what we're working yeah. on just go deeper and deeper and we get new ways of seeing it yeah okay right, right. so I want to before we go too much further because I'm realizing we haven't actually talked about your work and I'd like the people who are going to be listening to understand what we're talking about it mm. sounds like what you just described to me, maybe you went through some, I don't know your whole history, but a different kind of work and then came into this work out of a time. That is true. Yeah. Something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. We, I can definitely speak a little bit to that journey because that, that is around that that time. It's really helpful for people um, to understand that, you know, we can go through these passages where we are, you know, aligned or using a certain kind of energy. And then when we realize it doesn't really suit our soul or our heart or our body or our mind that we can make these changes. And I'm sort I'm intuiting that that might be part of your story. Is that, am I, there was a change in there. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I also want to qualify that, you know, we can get to those places where we can recognize and access those tools and then we can still get really, really messy and chaotic and have to recollect ourselves and go back to it. So yeah, right. Always. Well, that's part of the cycle, right? There's not, it's not one trajectory. We have to have the birth, the death, the decay. We have to have the composting and the yeah. messiness. And yeah, I have definitely felt like a compost heap for the past couple of months in a way that I can't even describe. Oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, but that also is, is part of the, yeah, it's cycles of re-identification and re-emergence, but yes, always. Uh, always. So to go back and also who doesn't love compost, who doesn't love, you know, whatever the creation of dirt and new life, it's all part of the, part of the deal. Well, you uh, and I, I think there are probably people. Yeah, it's true. Might not, <laughs> might not have a fine appreciation for compost. <laughs> well, they should. Yes. Uh, very should be part of the curriculum when you're in elementary school is like, you know, whatever, compost, how, how, how to compost, how to properly compost, and also how to properly recycle. Um, so, yes, to speak to that in my, in my, tw- I did have a whole other career prior to the work that I'm in now. I, in my 20s, I was very lucky to work at an advertising agency, which I know sounds so random, but, you know, I came through university, I went to a public university in Virginia, and I kind of went in, I was so lucky to be able to attend the university, my parents had said, you know, well, we're happy to send you if you go in-state and public, and I'd also only had ever lived my life in this particular part of the world, so there's pluses and minuses, I think, with that, right? And I certainly had a solid education, but I truly hold now and no shade on anyone who's choosing that path. But to me, when you're going to undergraduate, it's essentially to prove that you can do a thing in four years or whatever it is that your program is. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to take that and run with it and have your, the rest of your, whatever, burgeoning creative career, whatever it is that you choose to do, it's going to be within that path of, of what you studied. But you're able to make excellent connections or any luck you're able to make good connections and you grow up a bit and you can try the world outside from underneath where you were from before and make some choices for how you want to continue to move forward so anyways i was lucky to go to a university and what i studied i don't apply to my life necessarily now i was studying uh, print journalism and studio art I have always really enjoyed writing and at the time I was like I'm gonna write for a magazine and I think right around when I was starting to come out of school is when the tablet was invented so a lot of the magazines began to shutter and that wasn't really possible also I don't think any parent really necessarily wants to see their child majoring in journalism they're like what are you gonna do with that I'm gonna write for the Tidewater Review which was the local paper in West Point Virginia um no matter and the economy was tanking and I was like, what are you going to do for a job? But I was really lucky to land in a big shop in a small town, an ad- agency called the Martin Agency. And they essentially, I really feel that ad agencies are an amazing place for creative people to be able to have steady income, whether you're a writer or a graphic designer or an illustrator or an account exec, you know, there's everything in between. And I was in that line of work for about five to six years, I want to say. I was in production for TV and radio. Online ads didn't even exist at that point, which is really speaking and aging me, I'm sure. But the particular line of work of production, at the end of the day, you are you know, correlating people of certain strengths to come together and work on a project and get it done in a certain amount of time. And... I really liked that aspect of seeing the strengths in different people and aligning essentially, you know, these teams that would do a thing, create a thing, produce the thing, and then would move on to something else. And I think, especially in my later years, I've realized how much I truly am a project-based person. Hmm. I like to do a thing for a while, complete it, and then move on and do something else. 
And then I also, while I was at this agency, I met incredible people, like fell in love with this great guy, had a great income, had my own like big girl apartment, all the things. <laughs> but there was something that wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled. And I couldn't name why. There was this kind of unnameable sadness mm-hmm. and this quality of not feeling like, like I wasn't meeting myself in mm-hmm. some way. And I don't know yes. if that really makes sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, I was doing the it damn was, thing. Yeah, you were doing it. Yeah. And I loved the city that I lived in. You know, I loved my friends. Like my parents lived 45 minutes down the road. You know, everything felt really good, but I didn't feel really good. Mm. and I essentially got to around like 27 which is right around when we start to get closer to our Saturn return and yes. you know our quarter life crisis so to speak <sighs> and I kind of had this enormous meltdown you know things started to kind of go wrong physically for me in a way that I couldn't really describe mm. and my mental health was taking this enormous beating even though like I said for you know on the outside everything was really perfect Mm. And I just came to the conclusion that I kind of needed to leave everything and start all over again. Like I'd mentioned, I'd gone to a public university in the state where I grew up. I had never really gone. I had, you know, traveled to Europe once or twice, but I hadn't really gone and I hadn't really been on my own in that way. I had come to this conclusion that I wanted to be working in tandem with nature. I wanted to find a way to be outside more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find a way to be connected to, like I'd mentioned when I was a little girl, all the way up through my years, my father had been this epic gardener. And I was like, that is like, that's where I want to be. I want to be somehow like, how can I be able to make a living and do this? Yes. I'd actually looked for a horticulture program when I was at university and that wasn't available. And I, you know, like maybe if I'd gone someplace else, it would have been more accessible or something like that. But I, I just didn't really have like the training. I just didn't really know how to, how to get there, what, what to do. And at the time people were blogging, it was pre-Instagram and there was this blog called Design Sponge and it was heralded by Grace Bonnie, who it was kind of like this lifestyle blog. Mm-hmm. Interiors, you probably, maybe you read it back in the day. Uh, very much in line with like Domino Magazine and that sort of thing. Right. Yes. And there was a column called We Like It Wild and it was written by these two best friends, Jill and Alethea. They mm-hmm. had a flower shop in San Francisco that they called Studio Chew, C-H-O-O, but they call each other Chew for nicknames. Mm-hmm. Longer story. And all of their, this column, it was like them, the two of them making these epic crafts and holding bouquets on the side of Highway One with the ocean in the background Mm. with this like pack of bad boy dogs. And I was like, I want that life. There it is. There it is. I want to be, I want to be a florist. And I was, and then I thought, okay, but I, I don't know how to be a florist and I live in Virginia, which is of course across the landmass. <laughs> and you know, Catherine, I can't, I, I still to this. this day, I can't even really tell you like why I decided to do what it did, but essentially I, it took some, it took me about like a year, but I quit that amazing job and the relationship with that incredible boyfriend, sold all of my stuff, mm. put my cats in my Jetta <laughs> and I drove across the country. And I landed in the Santa Cruz mountains. Um, I was so fortunate to have a cabin that I was able to live in. My godfather who lives out here, he had always said, you can live in this cabin for free for a year um, if you want to try out California, which is so, that's actually how I ended up in Santa Cruz itself, right? But Mm -hmm. this cabin was in like the middle of a canyon Mm -hmm. with no neighbors, no 
phone service, no internet, no TV, no nothing, no nothing. It's very much like a drop into complete, talk about de-stimulation, my Lord, 1000%. And so I land in a place with no friends, no neighbors, no job, mm-hmm. uh, and no real aspirations other than this kind of idea of working for these women with this flower shop in San Francisco, which in my mind, also, as you know, being from the South, when something is 15 miles away, it takes you 15 minutes. That is not the case in California. So I was living in, <laughs> and so San Francisco looked like, you know, San Francisco oh, was just right over there. away. So I'm like, oh, it's, fi- you know, 50 minutes versus say more like an hour and 40. Yeah. Just that my concept of geography and just how it's just going to work was way, way off. So a bunch of stuff happened in between. We don't, I can just skip over that. But I eventually did after a, a year and a half of essentially being in California, did write them the letter that said, I will take thorns off of roses in the dirtiest corner of your studio if you allow me to work for you for free and learn mm-hmm. from you. And of course, you know, shaking finger, hitting that email. Amazing. And of course, they're like, oh my God, yeah, come over. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, and that is how I started. You know, I started as a total grunt intern, Beautiful. scrubbing buckets and sweeping the floor and kind of proved myself enough to be able to be brought on part-time, which then later became full-time, which became the studio manager, which became the wedding manager mm. in San Francisco. This is like kind of like 2012 to 2015-ish. And then the dynamics of their working relationship changed and they decided that they no longer wanted to do this work anymore. They wanted, they had different things going on. Jill was going to move back to the East Coast and Lethia was moving on to something else. And I had always, I mean, I was just speaking towards, you know, how I had this kind of like a linear structure of how I moved through, you know, like I went to university, I like got a job right after that, I moved through much. So in my mind, I just always assumed that I would just work for them forever. I don't know why, but that is, that is what I assumed. So in 2016, essentially, I was presented with this, well, what do I do now? But I sold gift certificates, more or less, to raise $10,000. And I bought them out of all their equipment. And I took over the lease on their studio. And I just started doing it by myself. Wow. And that was now not quite 10 years on my own, but getting... 10 years in this line of work and then six or seven on my own. And that is how I ended up in where I am now, which I don't know. I think I've said the word florist maybe at least once, but I am a florist. That is my job. <laughs> We're getting there. We are getting there. I want, I want to say one thing about what you just said that I want to highlight yeah. the people who are listening. Yes. I just want you to feel how you have followed your soul. Like you're saying, like I, you really have, like when you had a moment where things didn't feel right, you didn't just keep going. You said, okay, this is not it. Even if I don't know what it is. And in that moment, you got this image. I mean, that image of these ladies by highway one that just captured you. Like, I, I really believe our soul speaks to us in, in images and that we recognize outside of ourselves, the things that are drawing us forward. You know, it's just like this pull towards something that doesn't even make sense, right? But it's really the language of the soul and the resonance that we have with the things that are meant for us. And so in that moment, you just went, okay, I'm going to do this. So there's that following the soul and really letting the soul guide you. And still, even in these stories, like, I don't know how I'm doing this, but I'm like selling these gift certificates and suddenly I have this business. It's like, you're following 
and you might not call it soul, but you're following something deep inside of you that was there from your stories of being the wild child in the garden. It's still that thread is really consistent through everything you're saying. But the second thing is just courage. The word courage really comes up as I'm listening to your story. You know, I sit with a lot of people and really moving them over these thresholds, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're about to let go of something really known and Mm -hmm. step through a gate into an unknown. And not everyone has the courage to do that multiple. What you're telling is a story of multiple thresholds where you're just like, I'm doing this. I'm sure there was a lot more to it as it was going down, but your story has a lot of courage and just sort of willingness to be really engaged with life. It's amazing. I love those, those threads. And I think, you know, I work with a lot of people at this intersection of wanting more. And I don't mean more things. I mean, more meaning, more joy, more impact, more connection, all of that who are on these thresholds. And I think it's really important for the stories of women and men who have been able to move through those and through the not knowing, right? Because I have a lot of conversations with women in their thirties. They're like, this is not it. They've Mm -hmm. done all this stuff, just like you, just like me. They did all this stuff. It looks good, but there's this hollowness or this, you called it a sadness and they are waiting to know. They're waiting to know. And what I always say is you're not, it's not going to come that way. You have to follow the thread of the thing that starts to pull you. And they'll say like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, just pay a little attention and there will be. And the feedback that I'm getting from particularly the 30 year olds is like, I don't know any women who've done this. I'm like, I know so many. We got to get these stories out there that, you know, the, the way forward is not this linear path. Not at all. And it's usually not the way, I don't know. I don't know anybody really who's followed a linear path, who feels that they're living on purpose and are full of joy and happiness. I haven't met that person yet. Mm -hmm. So I I think your story is a really important one because it really highlights that life is initiating us into the next version of ourselves over and over and over. That's right. It's never ending. And to me, that's real. That is leadership. That's sacred leadership, like being in alignment and being able to move even when we don't know. And there's like this trust in something, right? That we can actually step through those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sense? Yeah. I, it makes perfect sense. And I, you know, I definitely want to, I want to just qualify for the listeners out there that I have definitely had these incredible moments of uh, perhaps my mother would call it uh, stubbornness. <laughs> <You're calling laughs> <it> courage. <laughs> I think it depends on who you're asking. Um, yes, I have, I have had uh, my years of just sort of headlong movement forward. And then I have also had my years of murkiness Mm. and uncertainty and dark nights of the soul. I don't think that there's any, and there's, there's no person who is living spiralically who are always in this place of, you know, clear knowing. I think oh, absolutely that not. totally. Yeah. And, and I think that everyone should be in complete, mm-hmm. should be in deep clarity around, <laughs> clarity mm-hmm. around not having clarity. Um, Thank you for saying that. Yeah, there's a descent yeah. involved as well. There is, there is a descent and it's inevitable. And it happens, you know, even in my, even when I feel like I'm in kind of like my, my best, mm-hmm. my best and truest direction. 
inevitably we're going to get checked because that's how we were able to be better Mm. to move with more compassion to have more openness it's not it's there's always going to be times where we're going to doubt ourselves of course even when we come to this you know and you're a, a true master in your field and I feel fortunate to have worked long enough in mine where I feel some level of whether that be centeredness or a surety. And then I still will have jobs where I'm like, I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. And I'm a, fa- I'm a, I'm a poser. This mm. is all a farce. Mm. Those things will still come up for sure. sure. And I think it also depends on the focus that we have. You know, we can be very diligent and laser focused on say our career and then all of a sudden we look at our personal life which is in complete shambles and like what the fuck happened with that because a friend of mine said who is another admirable woman who has you know their hands stirring many pots so to speak you know she's a mother and she's a business owner and they just like open the cafe and I'm like how are you doing this and she said something is always kind of falling apart. And yes. to me, that was so, and she said it with such grace and just direct eye contact and, you know, not with, she wasn't really laughing and she also wasn't frowning about it. She was just like, this is the truth of what it is. Mm. Something is always kind of falling apart a little bit. And Something freeing in that statement. Yeah. Really yeah. freeing. Truly. And I felt so much the same. So thanks for naming that. I was like, oh yeah, so true. (laughs) You know, it's like the bed cannot be made while you're also running a huge job and trying to feed yourself, you know, like something's something's going to give. And I think that these people who are, you know, crossing the threshold, like that is, that is the hardest part. The actual other side, once you catch that momentum, Mm -hmm. then you're just a part of the flow and you're just kind of in it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just, you're encompassed by it. It's like being, Mm. It's like catching a wave when you're body surfing. It's that lead up, like, oh my God, is this the right time? I'm like, oh, time. And you can feel that volume of water beginning to kind of pick you up. And you can make a decision to either dive under and evade or get smashed, or you catch the wave and you take it inshore. Oh, such a good analogy. And I do feel like that you were mentioning this aspect of flow earlier in that dynamic of being, you know, both drawing within the self and then coming out into community. And I think the same can be said as we're coming through these thresholds. I haven't gone through labor myself, but from what I understand, when you're in those surges, it's not the big, it's just like, I'm out and now I'm even more out and now I'm out, out, out. Mm. It's almost like I'm coming out and I'm not going to really come out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you got to wait. <laughs> just hang out here. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, we are, like you said, we are we are being initiated. We are all the time. All the time in all these different facets. And we never, it never, ever stops in any, in any facet that we're focusing on. Um, And I think that to have ease around that and forgiveness and compassion for ourselves when we're going through those spaces is so key because if we don't, and I, I think I can say that for myself, as I look back on that person who was in their late twenties and now as a person in their late thirties, I want to like hold the hand of that girl. Yes. And, you know, throw my arm around her and be like, honey, we are going to get there. I swear to God, we are doing it. Mm -hmm. You, and it's going to suck and it's going to be epic Mm -hmm. and you are going to change and you're not going to recognize yourself and you're never going to feel more yourself Mm -hmm. truly. Mm -hmm. And that will happen again. I'm sure I'll be able to say the same thing, you know, for my the person in my fifth decade, looking back on my fourth decade, no yeah. doubt. 
So where are you now in, in your process? Where, where would you place yourself? I know you're, I know a little bit about your work. I mean, I see your, I've seen your beautiful work and I know you have this amazing store, which I keep meaning to come visit. Come uh, visit tomorrow or Thursday. We have like a little, a little sip and shop and Lee's going to bring this delicious nutritive tonic and we have a sale. And so, okay. yeah, I actually, I have a brick and mortar now. That was something yes. that happened in um, 2020 because I had the most epic year of my career in 2019. You know, I finally got that point where I didn't have to look at my bank account. I could go grocery shopping and not think about too much about looking just for that the yellow tag to be able to buy something. Mm. Rent was always covered. And then 2020 happened. And as most of us know, weddings and events are my primary kind of bread and butter of my work. And that stopped completely. Yes. Um, and everything that I, you know, I had this epic account in the city that I was doing at, at this um at an office space and people stopped going to work, you know, like everything literally mm. fell art mm -hmm. and there was an aspect I, I joke about it but I'm also not really joking about it I I loved that time for so many reasons because I just got to be in my yard with my like, dog play play, totally like that was it was my time um I am a cancer I am married to a cancer now like we yeah. are homebodies <laughs> oh, so beautiful um cancer but, son you know, is that what she means yes. yeah okay Cancer Sun, Aquarius Moon, Sag mm. Rising. There's the Aquarius. Okay. It's, it's all, yeah, it's all in there. Um, but so I think that's another example of all of a sudden my person, you know, and prior to that in 2019, my my new marriage was in this very precarious position, was kind of going to shit, was thinking I wanted to get out, not sure how I got here, but then my career was in this amazing space. And then 2020 happened and my career went to shit and my personal life took deep deep roots and was able to really flourish hmm. so like what we talked about before something is always something is always apart. <laughs> inevitably no one person has it all and if they do well you know good on you um congratulations write the book i'll read it uh and so i in 2020 the space that i'd always thought that if i was to you know have a brick and mortar in santa cruz like this would be the place that i want to do it in that mm -hmm. space became available. And this was another example of me being like, I don't know, <laughs> let's just see. Let's and try it just, out. yeah, let's mm. try it out. And I just, I leveraged, you know, the government loans that were available at the time, mm -hmm. essentially like leveraged debt to be able to build up the space. In part, because I also wanted to have some way to be more of the Santa Cruz community, because I was doing all this work, you know, outside of where I lived. Yes. And I wanted more opportunities to be yes. part of things. Mm. So we opened in November of 2020, and there is a flower component to it, yes, but it's also primarily an apothecary. So we're working with plants and flowers in different ways, whether that be through, you know, um, tinctures and flower essences or natural skincare or the literature that we um, bring in. And everything is sourced from teachers, makers, healers who are queer, BIPOC, or identifying people. That's really important within our ethos. You know, a lot of what it is that we're um, the things, the, the tiny bottles and mm -hmm. jars in our shelves are from people who are making things in their kitchen mm -hmm. or they're self-publishing zines and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. it's pretty, maybe a little niche, but it's also a, a place that I always wanted to be able to it's go into place. here. So yeah. And there's tarot decks and, you know, and fun it's stuff. E it's Eothen, right? Eothen. Eothen is the name of my, Eothen is the name of my comp, com is it a company? I'm like, 
Yes. Company of one. I don't know. <laughs> sure it is. Yes. Um, and Eothen is Greek. It means from the east or of the dawn. And I am Greek and I'm from the East Coast. There's part of that. And I also feel my my greatest working hours are in the morning when the sun is rising and just like the day is full of possibility and there's so much to come. And so then the space is called Eothen Circle. So basically okay. it's with the thought in mind of yeah. bringing people in to gather around. Yeah. And, you know, we are trying to create a space that is extremely inclusive and safe and to be able to create a place of, I can, I can call it conscious consumerism, which is, you know, complicated for sure. Yes. Um, but have it be more, you know, like we, the people that we employ to the way that we are able to pay to the products that we provide is with this circular shape in mind. And actually my next mission, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get my resources together around this. I never went to business school, but somehow I ended up whatever creating a business and then reorganize into an LLC but now I want to tear the LLC apart and I want to reorganize the shop into a workers cooperative because I really feel that that is the way forward when it comes to economy but I haven't done that before so this is a whole other area I need to to lean into and learn and figure out like the tax laws around so that'll be the new thing this space I hope and already the three years we had a three-year lease and it'll be up in July which is hard to believe and I've definitely had moments around this space. You know, we were just talking about those kind of like dark nights of the soul and whatnot. Yes. I'm like, is this working? I don't know. You know it's hard. Mm. It's difficult to hold a space that is for the community. And, you know, are people going to spend $75 on the gas tank when the price goes up? Or are they going to spend $75 on a bottle of face oil from us? Like, I, I understand mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the discrepancy between the two. But I also feel like we need these places to gather. One of the things that we're able to do is provide workshops and events um, that really feature and utilize the space as a platform for the people that we're able to bring in from a product perspective. So whether we're just recently, we had a circle around womb embodiment, mm -hmm. it was womb mint, which is really kind of digging into the creative nice. space. And yeah. yeah, it was delicious and yummy. And we've also had class, we've, I've done flower making classes there. We've done gua sha workshops. We've had speakers and lectures come in. We've done wild food series with Emily Beggs. I mean, mm -hmm. it's awesome. And it's great to be, bring people in and be part of this, again, connection yes. to yeah. whether, and with the hope it is with the natural world in all these different facets yeah. and with ourselves. You're Perfect. still doing it. It's still living through. I just had to think of you as that space is this big, like shady tree where people can come oh, and just really yeah. soak I in it that. and enjoy it. What a beautiful vision that you've brought into physical form. Trying, still trying and still figuring it out, you know, like it's still, it's not perfect. And I don't, I'm like, I, well, it's new. I mean, that's a relatively new, exactly. Business. I mean, the business isn't new, but that space is relatively new. It right. is. It's true. It's yeah. very true. And I also think that with my Sag rising, uh, I can be extremely impatient. I just kind of want to get there. Yes. Like I just want to understand it, get it, do it once, move it on. And this has been such a teacher for me. Things take time. Yes. You know, the magnolia takes how many years before she blooms? It's 15 like decades. To 15 yeah. to 20. Exactly. Yeah. When you start seeds and seed cells, you can see that first little nip of green and it's so exciting, it is. but it takes so long before you can actually put it into the ground until it's stable enough to be able to do so. Mm -hmm. Things take time. And I think in this age of instant gratification 
And we're looking around and always in this place of compare and despair if we allow ourselves, because everyone looks like they're doing all this shit mm-hmm. way better or faster or not. more efficiently than us. And, and they're not. And they're not, or it's taken a really long time, or they have other kind of resources that are able to get them there. And I think that's important to call back in is that it's not all going to happen at once. And mistakes are how it is that we're able to make it even better for Mm -hmm. sure. So that is all just to say, yes, please do come on into the shop. I'm almost positive. I'm going to sign this next three-year lease because I do have, I want to try for sure. Okay. So the it's shop is important. local and then there's shop an is local component, right? We have an online component. Okay. Yes. So everything that's on our shelves with the exception of the flowers, which you can order for delivery locally, okay. but everything can be shipped everywhere, everywhere for sure. And that is Eothin Circle and then Eothin Floral, which is my flower work. It's, you know, back into events are kind of my big, my big thing, or I'll do editorial shoots and whatnot. And that is a slightly different facet, but also I feel really lucky because the people who work with me at Eothin Circle also work with Eothin Floral. There's a lot of crossover okay. in those worlds. And then I have another project. Um, we launched a tarot deck last year, Death's Tarot. Yes, tell us about that one. Yeah, okay. I saw it at Holly Hinton's. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. So lucky. It's always a trip to, um, as a person who makes things that die, (laughs) because it's true. (laughs) (laughs) I make a thing and a week later, it's probably not going to be around. Um, It's a very different experience to have uh, something that you create that has a longevity factor. So when I go into, say, a shop and I see it, or I go into places like Holly's and it's there, it's like, oh my God, there it is. Those are the words that I wrote or the thing that I painted. Uh, my creative partner, Annabelle Ray and I, that was like a three-year mm. long-term art project, basically. And it was also something we worked on during COVID. Mm. And it was so fun just to dive into. I've always loved the tarot. Um, I love dabbling in that world. Mm. And I feel like I've always kind of woven it into my flower work in a way or in the way that I communicate or connect with people. It's almost awesome to have an entity that I just got to say like and here you are here is the representation of how it is that I view say spirituality or connection we also produced it in a way that was really maybe a little bit OCD but we wanted zero to no plastic within the packaging Hmm. everything was printed in the U.S. the boxes are printed in North Carolina the deck is printed in Los Angeles the deck itself was painted with earth-based pigments. Mm. Um, everything is on renewable and sustainable resources when it comes to the papers and mm. whatnot. And it's been a, so fun to put this out in the world and also very challenging because, you know, things, we continue to evolve our articulation around our spirituality and how it is that we identify and things that I wrote when I was writing specifically the guidebook which took time, but a lot of the writing came from the height of the Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement. And I had a lot of fire and vigor around how I felt. And I still feel those things, but time passes, right? Things continue to evolve. And I continue to, you know, be like, wow, I was really flinty in that moment. And maybe now I'm a little bit softer. And how can I weave that back in to how this exists? So I'm going to, it's probably going to be the art project that never really ends the next but, iteration will be yeah <laughs> yeah Let, let's do a rundown of how people can find sure. you uh, okay. yeah so I'm on uh, it exists on the internet for those who aren't in the Santa Cruz California area so 
my flower work is at eothenfloral.com and eothen is spelled E-O-T-H-E-N. And then the shop is eothencircle.com and then depthstarot.com. And the, all those places exist on, I, I don't, uh, for better or for worse, I'm not on the TikTok. Okay. Oh, <laughs> just on Instagram. <laughs> I, talk, I talked about turning the dial down and it's for good reason because I'm sure I could get you know really sucked in. So we're on Instagram and all those places and it's at EOFN underscore or at EOFN underscore circle or death tarot. And that's typically where as a visual person, that's such an easy place to be able to put information. Um, yes. But then I also hope very much that people just come into the space and enjoy, you know, the physical. Yes. and um and be in community and I think like I said as a project-based person it's exciting to be able to be creating and offering these things and also know like that also isn't just me that this will change again and evolve and mm-hmm. I'll work in some other direction or dynamic and um hopefully continue just to be an offering in this way and then also pull back into my cave whenever it's needed to Thank you so much for your time and oh my gosh, thank you. and the sharing. It's just really juicy and uh, it feels you feel really to me just like so grounded mm-hmm. and in the way that you're moving in the world. It's really warm and really welcoming, and it just feels like I just want to sit here for a little bit longer. Wow! Oh, so thank I love you. that. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you feel you want to? touch on that we haven't or I just want to feel into that space where people are having a hard time right now with how they are supposed to move through or the choices that they're making and yeah it's difficult to you know live in a world that feels so precarious and chaotic and at the core of it like we talked about in the very beginning there is this common thread between all of us this connection and where it is that we belong it is of my, you know, when I start to get really kind of spun out and panicked around where things are going or how, how this is all going to play out over time. Yes. I have to remember like, this is the life that I have and I have to do what I can with what I got. And things have to become a little more simple, a little more straightforward. And whether that is for us of taking the earbuds out, mm-hmm. being out in space and just listening, mm-hmm. or maybe it's properly cleaning our recycling or perhaps it's just making the choices that we can with the resources that we have. Mm -hmm. That is a practice of care, right? Mm -hmm. Like the practice of care in our community for our earth, for this. I think that to be in this particular sort of body, the focus is all just like what is right in front of us and what's happening right now. And sometimes it's hard to kind of look farther into the future. It can feel really overwhelming. Yes. Or like it's too much, but it's not. It's not too much. It's within our capacity to hold. And we must hold. It's part yes. of the, it's our responsibility. It's why we are here yes. for sure. Mm. So just to instill with people who are out there and listening of, you know, you are not alone. Yeah. Your journey is unique. You have gifts to offer. So beautiful. And we can see you in that space. And we just really hope that you keep going. Mm. Shine that light. Mm. It's just yours to shine for sure. So thank you so much for having me. And that's so much. I'm very honored to be here. And in this canon of incredible women that you've gathered together and really looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. Okay. Thank you for being here. Beautiful. Ancient voices.
That's it for this episode of Magnolia Leadership Podcast. Having you here is such a blessing. As a Magnolia woman, we are leading from our deep aligned power to bring our full bloom to ourselves and our gifts to the world. If you're inspired by this podcast, I invite you to share it with someone or leave a review. Sign up for our newsletter or one of Magnolia Leadership's upcoming in-person or online offerings at magnolialeadershipco.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, so much love to you.